You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. With me is Mike Chappell. Dave uh, has the day off, slacking off once again. Uh, but what are you going to do with that guy? <laughs> exactly. Uh, we have a great show today. We're going to discuss takeaways from the Colts minicamps. Anthony Richardson era has started. He's in Indy. He's working with the team. And we're going to go around the AFC South and see how each of these teams stack up now that free agencies in the past, now that the draft is over. Obviously, more additions can be made over the summer. But for the most part, uh, these teams, uh, the turnover has happened. And we can look at these teams and start to evaluate them for the 2023 season, see which teams got better, worse, um, and rank them. But first, we'll start with some news. The NFL schedule release isn't until Thursday night, but uh, one week of the Colts schedule has already dropped. Indianapolis in week 10 will play the Patriots at Frankfurt Stadium in Germany. The Colts considered the away team for this uh, international game. And the last time the Colts played an international game was 2016 when they lost at Wembley Stadium to the Jaguars. Uh, Mike, there's a lot of AFC South teams uh, playing international games this year. Jaguars actually have two games uh, in London. Tennessee plays Baltimore in London. The Colts over in Germany um, get to travel and uh, see the sights over there. What do you? Th- and of course, Colts fans will have to set their alarms a little earlier on Sunday morning. Yeah, the interesting thing is with Jacksonville, which is like a home away from home for them. And there's even been you know the rumors of relocating their franchise to London, which probably will never happen. But their two games are back to back. They're staying in London, which is probably the way to do it. So you don't deal with you know the first game you still deal with the travel, but not so much the second game. As far as the Colts, it's really interesting. I kind of thought they might go to London, but here they are in Germany. And it's, like you mentioned, the first one since 16 when things didn't go well in Wembley. But, uh, again, in 2016, if you remember, they had the option to take their, their, their bye week after the game that next week, and they didn't do it. They, they, they played the next week, so I'm guessing in week, uh, 11 it would be it'll be there by but it's just a good opportunity I, I think by and large coaches and GMs aren't really in favor of overseas games because it just totally disrupts your routine and, and coaches are all about routine but this is a big deal for the franchise I'm sure Jim Irsay has lobbied long and hard for this and it gets it it's funny we were talking about uh this we talked to Bernhard Ryman today, and his eyes lit up. He said, I was pumped. You know, he's from, from Steinbrunn, Austria. It's about seven hours, he told us, by car uh, to Frankfurt. He said it's cold there, so, you know, dress accordingly, Colts fans. But it gives his family a chance to finally see him play American football. Remember, he was, a, what was an exchange student in, uh, was it Michigan? I'm getting my... Yeah, I think Central Michigan. Well, he went to Central Michigan College, but he, he played high school ball also in the States. And his parents, his dad went to a game last year against Washington. The rest of his family haven't seen him play for like seven years American football. 
He said the last time it was like the Austrian championship, he was a wide receiver and he told us he caught a touchdown pass. <laughs> so he's, he's looking forward to it. And he, you know, he just talked about how, how American football has really taken root in, in, in Europe. So he's pumped. His family, all of his family, grandma, everybody will have a chance to see him play. That means a lot. It just does. And it means a lot for the franchise, too, this franchise, to be in the spotlight. It, yes, it's, it's a pain for the team to go over there, but what you get as far as exposure and, and all that is it, it's worth it. So good for the Colts. Good for the Colts. As a Colts fan, I think it's neat um, to be able to see your team travel and really expand uh, or b- broaden uh, just their sights and g- get more eyes on them. Um, l- like I said, I'll have to wake up a little earlier Sunday. Maybe is it a nine twenty-five kickoff? I think. I think something like that. So maybe I have to, you know, uh, start with a few mimosas instead of cracking open the cold ones. We'll see. But um, also, my thought from this is, uh, apparently, I'm not going to be winning one million dollars from Jim Irsay because I did not have the Patriots Week Ten. I think I had certainly not in Frankfurt. No, no. So um, if you had New England uh, Colts playing New England as the away team in week 10, congratulations. You're still in the running. You're still in in the running. So um, that's great uh, news for you there. I I was really counting on that million, Mike. I don't know what I'm going to do now. I've learned to never count on that. Like (laughs) when I go gamble in Vegas or in Shelbyville, I take what I can afford to lose. I told my son, only take what you can afford to go in your front yard and light a match too. Other than that, you shouldn't gamble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, the rest of the schedule, like I said, 8 p.m. Thursday, we'll be finding out uh, when and where the Colts are going to be playing. Next bit of news. A report surfaced that Washington commanders called Andrew Luck last season to see if he was available to sign with them. That's according to ESPN's John Kime. In response, Jim Irsay had a little tweet about it. He said, if any NFL team attempted to contact Andrew Luck or any associate of him to play for their franchise, it would be a clear violation of the league's tampering policy. Mike, your thoughts on the situation. Are the Colts going to get first-round pick from Washington because of this? No. And, and what it is, it's, it's, if you go back and, and read the, the initial story by John Kime, he, he was so impressed with his little note that he had it like, fifth or sixth graph it was just it was almost an aside and it's not that they called Andrew Luck it's that they called someone to gauge interest on Luck returning to the league now when tampering when the league considers tampering I don't know how many degrees of separation there has to be from Andrew Luck yeah for to be tampering could they call like his barber or something Uh, it, it could be anybody hey what do you think but you know, it's it's something that it's it's certainly interesting. Uh, there was contact between the Colts and the league to at least look into it, and I'm sure the league to the LK will look into it. But I think nothing comes out of this. It's it, it's it's great off season, you know, interest. But I I think whatever contact they had first, it'll be really really hard to prove. It's yeah. just hard to prove unless they were dumb enough to call Andrew Luck his dad or his agent will wilson which they didn't do so i i, I think it's and i understand i understand jim ursay's protective you know antenna going up it, it really comes out cold but andrew luck belongs to the colts 
he, he's their guy. He's got like two or three years left on his contract, and when you retire, your contract holds. So I, I, I think there's zero interest in Luck returning. Why wouldn't Washington know that? I mean, that's not like a secret or something that only league officials know. Shouldn't that be pretty obvious to Washington? Wouldn't they just call the Colts? Yeah, and then you see so much that's going on in Washington, you wonder how much they really know what the heck's going on. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so again, maybe it, maybe it was really, really innocent and they called his neighbor. I don't know. I don't know. But I, but again, then I understand Jim Irsay being, being really stern about it. Hands off our guy and I know for several years after the retirement in what was it August of 19 the Colts kept they kept contact with Luck about what do you think are, are you ready to come back do you want to come back and finally they, they, they at some point they just they came to the determination that this guy's retired we've seen we've seen clips of him and I can't remember what his playing weight was was it 230 I think it might have been 240 240 He's not 240 now. Oh, no. I mean, he, he, he's civilian Andrew Luck. He's had the O-lineman effect. Where yeah, he's just... had the Jeff Saturday effect. But, you know, it, it, it's it's the type of story. Anytime a name like that is mentioned in any story, it brings attention. But this will be much ado about nothing. All right. A few uh, things to get to with the roster. The Colts have signed several undrafted free agents. We talked about the guard from Alabama last week. Uh, they also signed Butler wide receiver Tyler Adams, so local connection there. We'll see if he can earn a spot on the team. Uh, a couple of Colts who were on the Indianapolis 53-man roster last season officially will not be back, and that includes Nick Foles, who finally was released on Friday. Mike, w- what took so long? I just wonder if, and I'm, I'm joking here, but somebody went into Chris's office and said, you know, Nick Foles is still on the roster. He said, well, I thought I told you to cut him. I, th- I thought we did that. There, there's nothing, there was nothing contractually. There was no reason not to cut him. I guess there was no reason to cut him. I, I would, I always wanted to ask if he was part of the offseason program, which I'm guessing he wasn't. He didn't figure into their plans, but there was no urgency to do it. It was just what that little thing about he's still on the roster. But he's gone. I, I'm thinking there's a chance he retires. I don't know. Uh, and, maybe they're and, waiting for him to retire and then could get out of some of the money maybe, in the contract. Maybe that, that could be that could be it too. But uh, he's gone, and now they've got what well, the quarterback room is: Anthony Richardson, Gardner Minshew, and Sam Ellinger. Yeah, and uh, another Colt who played well for Indianapolis last season, safety Rodney McLeod, has signed with Cleveland. So he will not be back. A very youthful secondary in Indianapolis. Wouldn't have, I wouldn't have mind seeing him come back. I wouldn't either. I thought he was a strong – he played well, but he was such a strong influence. Practice, locker rooms, meeting rooms. Uh, he'll be missed. He will. He will. Uh, a name to keep an eye on, veteran offensive tackle Chris Hubbard visited with the Colts this week, according to reports. So we've long been harping that the Colts need to bring in veteran – Offensive line depth, uh, veteran swing tackle, uh, guard, someone to compete for the starting right guard spot. Well, here at least is a veteran swing tackle who very well could end up in Indianapolis. So we'll see if that develops into a signing. Mike, the Colts have been in town uh, just getting their feet wet with the team. Anthony Richardson and all the rookies. Shane Steichen, he's got the group together. 
they've been uh, together the last couple of weeks. What have been your takeaways from getting to speak with different players and coaches? Well, the big thing coming out this past week, rookie minicamp, which th- you get three days with the rookies, and they had the draft picks. They had, what's it, 15 undrafted players or so. And then they had, you mentioned Tyler Adams was one of like 29 players in for a tryout. Because, you, you know, it's one of those where you look at names, well, you need X number of receivers, you need X number of linemen to practice. But it's all about with players getting your foot in the door, and that's what Tyler Adams did. Good for him, having him sign as an undrafted free agent. This was our first chance to see Anthony Richardson up close. How was it? Are you falling in love with him like I did? Oh, primarily because I'm comparing him to what we've seen over the last four or five years. I mean, so yeah, but he's he he does have. Shane Steichen says he's got a presence about him. You know, he's got a bounce walking around the the complex, and you can see it. He just, uh, and he's just big. He's just a good size. I mean, he's luck sized. Yes, I was going to say kid. He's still a kid. He's twenty. Mm-hmm. He's twenty. He's due a four year deal worth thirty five million. So he's going to be a very rich kid. But you watch him play. And what I'm going to try to do is to keep my foot on the brake and not anoint him as whatever right now. But what he brings is hope to the franchise. He, he gives them direction where they've really had none, at least not enough, anything long term. Uh, he, he gives you the possibility of what might be, if not this year, the next year, the next four years, six years, ten years. And that's what you want. That, that's, that, that's what all the really established competitive teams have is that guy. I mean, name, you can name 10, 12, 14 teams that have that guy. Some much better than others, but when you have that guy, everything's possible. And you're watching practice, and it's sort of as advertised. He, he throws, and the ball jumps out of his hand. It just it gets from point A to point B, like now. And there's sometimes that it's, you know, misguided. Sometimes there are drop passes because the ball comes out a little bit hard. And that's probably the one area that he's going to have to work on with the accuracy is knowing when to really fire it and when to take something off of it. That may have that probably contributed to all to the was it fifty three percent completion percentage in college. Yeah. So, but but you see it. Th- th- there were some throws where he hits these guys, Josh Downs and guys, on, on, in stride where, where they can catch it, run. He threw a deep ball to a guy and I'll butch Cody Case, Cody with a K, a, a deep post on the mark, and you just say wow. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a rainbow. It was just kind of a, a nice tight throw. So he, 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 he showed us what we were told we were going to see. There were plays where he t- tucked it and ran on RPO. So it, it was everything we've seen. Now we've just got to see it develop. And we talked to uh, Jim Bob Cooter today. And the one thing that I asked him twice, and twice he didn't answer me, is – they're in a position now, you're building your team and you're building your offense. Generally, a team has a quarterback 
you get Matt Ryan or or whomever, Carson Wentz, Philip, all, all the reps. They get all the reps with the ones, and that's how you grow your team. Well, these guys have to give Anthony Richardson as many reps as possible with the ones because he needs the work. But you need to get Gardner Minshew, you know, in the offense as well. So somehow they're going to have to balance getting the rookie a bunch of reps with the ones, but also making sure that if Richardson's not ready, that Gardner Minshew is ready. So it's going to be a balance, and they'll figure it out. Yeah, I, I, this came up a little bit last year with all the quarterbacks who start for the Colts. I think there was this one game, was it Nick Foles, who had to start after not getting any starting right. reps during practice? So it, it makes a big difference. I would imagine they would give Richardson most of them, maybe 70 to 80% 80% Richardson. probably. Yeah, and then just make sure uh, Minshew, just in case. I, I think if I had to put money on it, Richardson starts week one. But uh, definitely not a guarantee. So he'll have to go out there and earn it and show that he's ready. Now, um, uh, was there any other takeaways that you had from speaking with any of the rookies? I loved what Josh Downs had to say about him and Richardson playing catch in the hotel parking lot the night before. Don't you think the team didn't really – they sort of liked it, but not really. (laughs) (laughs) Have Josh Downs show up at practice the next day or the complex. With the tire marks on it. You did what to your knee? You, You ran into what? An Oldsmobile out when you ran an out route, so, but but you like the the the, the eagerness, you know. He he just did Josh Downs text the quarterback and said, hey, "You want to throw?" And he said, "Sure." So they went outside the team hotel in the parking lot. You want to see that? So th- that was that was cool. Again, on some of the guys, it's really hard to get a good grip on what you see because it's such a controlled setting. Uh, Will Mallory looked like he knows what he's doing. He gets down the field, run and catch. And you kind of wish you could see Juju Brents get out there and get some reps. We're not going to see that until training camp. But he's still dealing with the wrist, right? He had wrist surgery. But, boy, he's got size. Uh, I'm sure he can still do drills and stuff. Which at least is not an ankle or a groin to where you can't do conditioning. But it it keeps him out of the scheme. Been talking a lot to Rick Venturi. You know, who knows what's what and all this. And his main concern with Brands is the speed. Is He, he was like, was it 20th or 21st among corners with his 40 time? Possibly. He ran a 4-5-3. Yeah, it, which, which it, and like Rick always says, sometimes when you, when you lack speed, that's why you grab because you're trying to catch up. But all the guys they drafted have size, which is what they want. They're going to do more press coverage. So... What's really going to be interesting, one thing that, that people need to realize is they had their mini camp, rookie minicamp last week, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then rookies had to, had to be gone for a week. You couldn't, they can't be here this week because of the way the offseason is structured. Rookies can be back in the building Monday, and that's when I think the, the, the assimilation of, of these new players, including primarily Richardson, really takes place because they're around the, they're around the vets and when they're on the field they're with the vets they're on the ones and, and he's he's working with Pittman and Pierce and, and Ryan Kelly and, and, and all the offensive linemen that's when they're really really going to get past the if there's an awe moment you get past the awe of being in the room with you know Taylor and- Taylor and, and all these and all these Pro Bowl players and, and all this and 
you're sort of on par with them, but you can learn from them. I think it's important how Richardson handles himself in the locker room in meetings, not, not in, in meetings, yeah, but in the locker room around these teammates because you're the leader. You're, you're the future of the franchise, so sort of act like it without, without acting like you're entitled. So there, there's there's leaders and there's guys who try to be leaders, and there's a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, exciting time to be a Colts fan. Uh, you got a new quarterback, a lot of young players. Whenever you've got a new quarterback who's a fourth pick in the draft, it's a remember the, the the telling quote from Chris Ballard is, "We drafted him for what his future, what he's going to be in the future." That that's what, now of course you want the future to be like September, and not 2024. But again, like I said earlier, and I'll beat it to death. A guy like this gives you hope. It gives you direction, and that's what this team desperately needed. And the last thing before we get to the AFC South here is, it, it, it it's also kind of nice going into a season without chaos, with, without high expectations. Oh, okay. But with also the combination of a lot of hope, right? Like I don't think anyone expects the Colts to, you know, make the playoffs this year or win the division or anything like that. So they can go out and win six games but as long as you see things from Richardson and from your young players you could still be happy with that where as in the past you know there's been expectations that the Colts do make the playoffs and make some moves and they made moves in the offseason especially last offseason like this was a win now team and then when it doesn't happen it's all that more uh, disappointing so it'd be nice to as a fan go in there not expect the team to be able to crush their opponent every single week, but just kind of watch these young players develop and, and see their talents out there. Um, I, th- I think Dave's talked about that as well as maybe there's been a perception inside the building that they're pretty close to being something good. Not great, but good. A playoff team, and without question, last year everyone, not just locally, but nationally, this team was the favorite to win the AFC South. Mm-hmm. This wasn't local bandwagon. This was this was it was like Vegas everybody expected this team to be to be that team so then you maybe approach things that way with how you're building the team and in reality maybe they weren't that close they probably weren't that close they clearly weren't that close right so this, this does take away your this, this it's really crazy the expectations need to be to be as good as you can be win as many games and yeah. and that's how it should be but but you're right there there's not that added pressure you know they say you guys are gonna win the division this year and i think there's a real similarity between where i what i hope this team can be this year and what the pacers were this past year they got some new exciting young players they played an exciting brand of ball they won some games that they probably shouldn't have at the end of the day they still didn't make the playoffs they still have a you know lottery pick but this is a team that everyone who's in Indiana and is a Pacers fan, is really excited about their trajectory. All, all the fan base and the media want, primarily the fan base, is to see that you're doing things the right way and headed in the right direction. You're not stuck in that rut of, you know, here we go again. We're, New we're veteran de- quarterback. Veteran quarterback. And again, although a lot of us, a lot of people, myself included, thought Matt Ryan would, might work if. If, if the offensive line, if the running game and all this, and the if didn't work. But this is – you're right, this is different. So regardless of how many games they win, it, it's, it's, 
is this team appear to be headed in the right direction? And primarily, does the quarterback look like he's the right guy to lead you into the future? If he's not, it doesn't matter. Absolutely. And we might not have an answer this year. We probably won't you, you, have but a final you, you answer. Should get, no, you, but you should have, we should have some idea. Yeah. It, you know, I mean, it, there have been some rookie quarterbacks. You watch him play, you think, man, this guy hasn't got a clue. I mean, really. And that's not going to be the case with this guy. But you just want to see, and at the risk of always bringing, I default to Peyton Manning because I was here through all of that. Remember, he was 3-13. and 13. As a rookie, twenty-eight picks, twenty-eight picks, which is still a record. Yeah, uh, but but you could just see the growth. And by mid-season, they went to San Francisco, should have won, got hosed by some officiating that the league admitted. But you could just see from that point on, he was going to be the real deal, and the team around him was going to be something to contend with. A reason to believe. Let's go ahead and do this AFC South exercise. We'll start with Indianapolis, and uh, let's look at their losses. The players who are no longer here, starts at quarterback Matt Ryan, Nick Foles, no longer with the team, both remain unsigned. Wide receiver Paris Campbell is now with the Giants. Offensive lineman Matt Pryor's in San Francisco. And offensive tackle Dennis Kelly is currently unsigned, but he is not with the team. I'd be kind of surprised if they bring him back. He, did, he wondered why he was here last year because <laughs> yeah. he didn't play much. Um, changes on special teams. Chase McLaughlin, despite his good year kicking for the Colts, is no longer with the team. He's with Tampa Bay. Punter Matt Hawk is unsigned because hopefully Sanchez you will got be his back. Name. You, sp- you pronounced his name right. I know. I, it took me long enough, right? <laughs> uh, on the defensive side of the ball, defensive ends Yannick Ngakwe and Ben Banigou are no longer with the team. Um, one, you know, might be a little bit more impactful than the other, but both of them remain unsigned at the current moment. Linebacker Bobby Okereke. I always get his name wrong. I was like, what was the first way we said it? And I'm not going to say that because then I'll default to say that. Okereke. <laughs> Okereke. All right, well, he's, he's with the Giants now, so I probably won't be saying his name uh, as often. Cornerbacks Stephon Gilmore and Brandon Faison are out of town. Gilmore now with Dallas, who is loading up this offseason. Faison went back to the Raiders. And then, as we mentioned previously, uh, Rodney McLeod now with Cleveland. Additions, uh, not too many to harp on here, but quarterback Gardner Minshew, wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie comes over from Buffalo. Tight end Farrell Brown, who is known as a blocker coming over from Cleveland. Kicker Matt Gay coming from the Rams. So uh, the Colts solve, hope, believe they've solved their kicking crisis from the past several years. Defensive end Samson Ebucom from the 49ers will replace uh, Ngakwe in that Leo defensive end role. And then defensive tackle Taven Bryan comes from Cleveland, and he'll add depth um, behind Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner. We went over the Colts' 12 picks last week, so I don't really feel a need to run through all of those. Um, but a lot of talent, several cornerbacks, obviously the quarterback, the receiver with Richardson and Downs, um, and some depth on both sides of the line. Looking at the depth chart here, Mike, um, a lot of turnover for this Colts team. It certainly got a lot younger this offseason, and a lot of young guys are going to play. Um, are there any positions that stick out to you? What would you say is the Colts' biggest uh, uh, area of improvement? We'll start with that. Well, quarterback, you, you know, not knowing what Richardson has been shoes, I still think is one of the better bridge guys they've had. 
He's played both roles as a backup and as a starter. Had good times and bad times, but he's maybe most importantly, he's he's been two years in Steichen's system, so he knows what's going on. So they're better there. Tight end, they're probably a little better. More depth. There's going to be a tight end or two with a resume that don't make the roster. Uh, And we'll transition over to the areas that they need. I, yeah, I'll, I'll point out wide receiver. Um, I think I, I like McKenzie a lot as a guy who could be your third or fourth wide receiver. Downs. And Josh Downs is going to be a dog. He just is. Uh, I love the Colts um, with the neck pick series and seeing like some of the behind the scenes video of when he was drafted, just like the look of determination on his face. I mean, there's some guys that when I see more and more of him, I, I understand more and more why Reggie Wayne loves this guy. I, I, I still wish they would have gone out and got a, a veteran guy at the position, an, an outside guy to, to be the third outside guy along with Pierce and Pittman. But this this group is better. I I had hoped that they would re-sign Paris Campbell, but I'll take Josh Downs over Paris Campbell just because younger and maybe more explosive. Yeah, and I mean – Speaking of those veterans, I mean, uh, Pittman's now entering his fourth year. He hopefully, you know, still a young player, hopefully takes another step forward. And and now hoping for a big step with Alec Pierce as he goes from his rookie season to now year two. Um, uh, and he'll throw the ball down the field. And Richardson can flick it down the field uh, you know, with minimal effort. Right. Um, so that'll really help uh, Pierce's role there. And, and Pittman makes some bigger plays as well. So I really think... Uh, especially compared to this time last year, this wide receiver group looks a lot better. Um, Mike, go ahead and take the floor with the, the right. holes. It's pretty obvious. Guard, guard. I still I think guard. If I had to prioritize guard, a, a swing tackle, and I would like to see another uh, veteran corner, but I don't. I, I don't know if that happens or not, but. Those are the three that jump out at me. Yeah, and I agree with you. You know, just looking at starters, I think the bigger need is cornerback, but they've addressed it with youth. The youth movement is on in Indianapolis. If you're going to play Richardson because he needs snaps and that's how you play and that's how you get better and you're not expecting to win this year, then the same you know line of thinking should go for these young cornerbacks as well. Get them out there. They're going to get burnt. They're going to make mistakes, but that's how they'll learn and grow and get better, hopefully by 2024 when you think you might compete for something. Um, but, yeah, that offensive line, I mean, you just took a guy fourth overall. Protect the franchise. Bring in a Chris Hubbard or uh, more guards or just just get some more guys in here to kind of stoke the flames of competition and uh, make everybody better in that aspect. And, um, you know, I, I would really not like to see another season of Will Fries as your starting right guard. I'm just not crazy about rolling it back with the same guys. I don't understand the rationale about doing that. I realize you've – you drafted uh, Freeland and you know early on to, to sort of be a swing tackle, but he's a rookie, and it just takes these guys time. I, I hope we're not sitting here in, in January, and Chris Ballard saying, you know, I, I just wish I had done more with the offensive line. I hope that's not the case. I still think he's got somebody he's going to sign, whether it's Hubbard, who really hasn't played for a couple of years. Yeah, former, um, I believe he was with the Steelers and right. Browns. Right. So there's got to be – I hope there's another veteran that's not here yet. But um, it's their team. They can do with it what they want. Yeah. What they want. And ex- ex- you know, especially guard, right? Like ideally Ryman and uh, uh, 
Braden Smith are your starting tackles. Ryman told us he put on 15 pounds. He's about 315 now. Good. So he needed be, it. Right. And, again, he, he will be better. He just will be better from going through the fire last – they threw him in. And they threw him in to, at, at Denver in prime time against a really, really good – outside pass rushing team so he'll get better he'll be better and they need they need to be better as much as they need the three veteran guys to come back and play to their level they need Ryman to be not a problem at left tackle yeah yeah he needs to be at least average uh, and I think he will be. I, I'm high on Ryman I thought the progression he made towards the end of the season was very encouraging agreed um, moving on here. Let's look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, AFC South champions last year. Uh, they didn't have a lot of losses, but some of them were pretty impactful. Top of the list here, Jawan Taylor, right tackle, signed a big deal with Kansas City. So he's no longer there to protect the franchise and Trevor Lawrence. Um, a, a few of their skill positions, Marvin Jones heads back to Detroit. Tight ends Dan Arnold and Chris Manhurts have signed with other teams. And looking at that defense, uh, pass rusher Arden Key is now with Tennessee. So they, uh, he, I think he had about six and a half sacks for them last year. So he made a great impact. Another defensive end, Dwayne Smoot, has been there several years. He remains unsigned, but he's not with the team currently. And they cut uh, starting cornerback Shaquille Griffin, who uh, I believe he made a Pro Bowl when he was with the Seahawks previously. He's dealt with some injuries over the past couple years. So there is a cornerback no longer available to them. Biggest additions veteran-wise – uh, I put Calvin Ridley on this list because he is reinstated in the NFL. And when he was in the NFL previously with the Falcons, he was probably one of the better, I don't know, top 15 wide receivers in the league to be conservative with that. Very, very good. So a uh, passing game that made great strides last year figures to be even better now that they add this talented wide receiver to the mix. And then uh, they did add running back Dearness Johnson, who has had some nice games for Cleveland over the years. So adding depth at running back. I know Doug Peterson likes to mix in a lot of different running backs. Um, so there's another option for them there. Looking at their draft, you know, uh, it wasn't my favorite draft out there, but they certainly addressed positions um, where they lost veterans in the offseason. First round pick, 27th overall offensive tackle, Aton Harrison out of Oklahoma. Um, to tight end Brenton Strange out of Penn State uh, at the end of round two. Then they go running back out of Auburn Tank Bigsby in round three, kind of a pounder power back. He could be the thunder to Etienne's lightning. I'm sure that's the thinking there. Um, they had more picks than the Colts did, 13 picks. As you run down the list here, you know, I'm not going to go through all of them, but they had six picks in round six and seven. Yeah. Six. They, they have, from round four on, they have two picks in each round. Two in round four, two in round five, three in round six, and three in round seven. That's, that's uh, I mean, how many do you think make the team? Ten would be a good number? That'd be I, I would hope not too many of the late round picks make it. But it, it, Chris Ballard mentioned about the 12 picks. He said it gives you more shots, which and it increases your odds of hitting on a couple of those guys, which I understand, but... It's all about getting guys at the top of the draft who make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. You know, looking at their day three picks, a lot of them focus on defensive end, linebacker, say, you know, a lot of defensive picks here. A couple names of note round three. Parker Washington from Penn State. 
um, and then Yasir Abdullah out of Louisville defensive end. So uh, we'll see uh, how impactful this draft is in year one and beyond with the Jaguars. Looking at their depth chart, we kind of mentioned their biggest loss was Jawan Taylor, but uh, they do have 2021 second-round pick Walker Little to be able to step in there. Uh, Cam Robinson's still over there at the left side, and they drafted first-round pick Aton Harrison. So they're well-positioned to replace uh, Taylor drafting ahead there. I mean, just looking at their skill position group, I would say, especially with the youth of the Colts, it's probably the best in the division right now. You know, looking at those wide receivers, if if Ridley can be what he was a couple years ago with Atlanta, him combining with Christian Kirk, who had a great season for them, Zay Jones, um, the, they got the tight end who's basically a wide receiver in Evan Ingram, Travis Etienne really showed that he's a real deal uh, as the season went on last year, so... They got a really solid offensive line. Uh, probably at this point, you'd have to say the best quarterback in the division. Uh, we'll see what happens with these rookies. And then their skill position players, uh, uh, the, the best the best in the AFC South. And that's not even mentioning a defense that are that's chock full of high draft picks. Difference makers. Yeah. So many times in the last, gosh, 10, 12 years, the Jaguars have sort of been – on occasion, the hot team. They, they, one year they just poured money into free agency, and what the one year they made the AFC Championship game, where within like two plays of reaching the Super Bowl, and then and then they fell back to earth like they always do. I get the impression that they've done it the right way. They've got the pieces in in place. They've got the quarterback. Primarily, they've got the quarterback and they've got the head coach, and that's. I can't think of who it was with Jim Irsay. We talked to too many guys over the draft. And he said, there's always head coaches you don't want to face and quarterbacks you don't want to face. And I'm not saying that these guys are at that level, Peterson and, and Lawrence, but they have the foundation in place. And, oh, by the way, they've got a lot of good pieces around the quarterback. They may finally have gotten it right. Yeah, yeah, this is looking like a rock solid roster from top to bottom if i had to pick out a weakness for them i'd say maybe it's a secondary not that it's a glaring hole but uh not a lot of names in there that stick out maybe a second round pick from a couple years ago tyson campbell might be the best of the bunch other than that probably a bunch of average at best players um so if you can hold up in pass protection because they got a mean defensive line uh two you know former top 10 picks on the edges rushing the passer with a Trevon Walker and uh, Josh Allen. This is a defense where you, if you can survive the front seven, that secondary might be uh, uh, exploitable back there. Uh, moving on to the Tennessee Titans, the Colts division rivals. A uh, lot of losses. I mean, this is a team. That with, list might be as long as the Colts. Yeah. This is a team with a new general manager and uh, Rand Carthon coming over from San Francisco. And he is certainly remaking the team. A lot of longtime Titans no longer in Tennessee. Uh, maybe the most famous of which, Taylor Lewan, who remains unsigned. He's dealt with injury issues. We'll see if he plays another snap in the NFL. I think it's unclear if a team gives him another chance or not. Uh, starting center, Ben Jones, currently unsigned, but they released him as well. Starting right guard, Nate Davis, signed with Chicago. And backup swing tackle, Raven Clark, former Colt, 
has signed with Pittsburgh. That's three starters, or at least, you know, I, I know Luan's missed a lot of time recently, but that's that's a lot to lose on an offensive line in one offseason. Uh, moving on, let's just stick with the offense. Robert Woods, their top receiver from last year. He's gone. He signed with Houston. Uh, their top tight end, Austin Hooper, is now with Vegas. Uh, Don Charles Hilliard, who's filled in admirably for uh, Derrick Henry when he's gotten injured from time to time. He's still unsigned, but he's not with the team. And then quarterback Josh Dobbs, who started a few games last year because Malik Willis just wasn't doing it for him. He signed what was he, a third-round pick? Uh, Willis, Willis. He, yeah, and it seems they've already given up on him, so that, that's a tough one there. Um, and then I'll include this in the offense, but Randy Bullock, their kicker, has been there quite a while. They released him as well. He remains unsigned. That's just the offense. Looking at that defense, um, a lot of impactful names as well. Bud Dupree, edge rusher. Defensive lineman Demarcus Walker and Mario Edwards are no longer there. Three linebackers who played for them, Zach Cunningham, David Long Jr., and Dylan Cole. They're all gone. And then uh, cornerback Terrence Marshall is no longer with the team as well. He remains unsigned. Additions. Far shorter lists than their subtractions. Uh, Offensive tackle Andre Dillard, who presumably has come in to start at left tackle for the team. He was a former first-round pick of Philly, who just, for one reason or another, couldn't get on the field. Uh, Wide receiver Chris Moore comes over from Houston. Edge rusher Arden Key, as we mentioned, coming from Jacksonville. Linebacker Aziz Alshire coming from San Francisco. Ran Carthon bringing one of his own over to replace all those linebackers that they lost. And then cornerback Sean Murphy Bunting coming from Tampa Bay. They only had six picks in this draft. At 11, they took offensive lineman Peter Skronsky. He played left tackle at Northwestern. The speculation is that he'll move inside and play left guard for them in the NFL. But very good offensive lineman. Helps replace a lot of losses in that area. Uh, probably their most interesting pick, round two, they traded up to select Will Levis from Kentucky, um, apparently moving on from Malik Willis, and Levis is now heir apparent to Ryan Tannehill, who I believe is 35 and entering a contract year. Going through here, round three, they take running back Josh Spears, who talented but has knee concerns, tight end in round four, and Josh Weil from Cincinnati, offensive tackle Jalen Duncan from Maryland in round six, and then uh, they took a receiver Colton Dowell out of UT Martin in round seven. Mike, when you look at the Titans, this this to me just screams a team in rebuild right now. Reboot. That's what they've done. And I, I guess you're going to try to get one more productive year out of Tannehill. But this is clear that in 2024, it's going to be Will Lewis's team. And, he, you know, he he's in a really good situation. If he can get past – once he gets past the – having your ego scrubbed by not going in round one, let alone top 10, he's going to have a chance to, to sit and watch and learn behind Tannehill. I've never known how a guy like a Tannehill or a veteran guy will tutor a guy. I remember you made news last year for saying it's not his job to teach. Well, that Malik tells Willis. you a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's kind of like, well, yeah, just watch what I do. Do, do what I do. Uh, but, but, if things kind of start out poorly, and and regardless how Tannehill's playing, how soon do you get the rookie in? I mean, didn't most people say that Levis might, after Bryce Young, might have been the most NFL ready guy out there? 
you know, the, he, young Stroud and, and, and this kid. So serious reboot. You know, this is also, the, I don't know, it's hard to know what how much seriousness there was, but there was talk of, of trading Derrick Henry. Or that was just spe- off-season speculation or what, but he, he's nearing the end down there. And he's 29. Yeah, and that's, that's ancient for a running back. Running backs hate to hear that, but and, and this is, he, he's an old 29 as far as, it's got a lot of wear and wear tear. and tear on the body. Yeah. So this is it's it's not unusual when a new GM comes in that and this is this was a new GM who came in with a competitive team. I mean they they were, but but he it's never unusual to see them have major overhaul. Sometimes it's a little strange that the coach is still there, but Vrabel's not going anywhere. Yeah, and, and you know I. I think part of the reason they hung on to Tannehill this offseason, because it was the same as Matt Ryan's contract, $35 million, they could save like 17 if they cut him, is because I wouldn't want to throw a rookie quarterback in this situation. We mentioned they lost three starters on the offensive line, and they have one of the worst, if not the worst, wide receiver groups, a group of pass catchers in the NFL. Uh, you got Traylon Burks, first-round pick last year, who dealt with injuries as a rookie. Highly athletic guy, though. And then they have Chris Moore, who came over from Houston. Uh, Nick uh, Westbrook-Akine. Kyle Phillips, a fifth-round pick from last year. Like, that's a terrible uh, group of receivers. Tan Hill says, really, this is what you gave me in my last year. Yeah, yeah. And then they lost uh, Austin Hooper. And the, the tight end, uh, uh, Chigazim Okonkwu, he did make a few plays for them last year. So I think they're expecting him to – take another step forward as a full-time starter. But, man, th- this is a pretty thin skill position group, especially when you factor in that Derrick Henry is 29. So uh, They're, they're going to ride Derrick Henry until he drops. Yep. And then he'll say, well, thanks for the – Him and Tannehill. They'll probably have to rush Tannehill quite a bit. Too, too much for a 35-year-old. Um, so, so, you know, I think the defense will be solid. It's Mike Vrabel co- coached team. They still have a lot of – Big names out there. Jeffrey Simmons is probably one of the best defenders in the NFL. Danico Autry. Uh, Harold Landry, he was out last year with an ACL. He returns this year coming off of the edge. We mentioned Arden Key. They got a young secondary. Kevin Byard is a multi-time all-pro. So I think still think they'll have a defense that's probably in the top half of the NFL if they can still healthy. But that offense, um, I think they're going to have a tough time putting up 20 points a game. Moving on to the Texans. They've a long list. Doesn't it feel like the Texans just try and like every year just have the, they just go for the most roster transactions possible? Was it last year or two years ago? They, they signed like 30. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it was most and they were all no one good. They were well, yeah, but and they were they were older and they were like bottom third of the roster guys, like one year contracts. Yeah, yeah no, and and. Not as much this year. I'll just go through it here. Losses. Brandon Cooks, maybe the most impactful. Uh, but he wasn't the only wide receiver to go. He was traded to Dallas. They also lost Chris Moore, who I mentioned with Tennessee. Uh, Philip Dorsett, former Colt. He's now in Vegas. They lost two tight ends, Jordan Atkins and O.J. Howard. Running back Rex Burkhead, who kind of was their third down pass catching back for them last year. Several guys with starting experience on the offensive line. Center Just- Justin Britt. Uh, guard A.J. Can and guard Justin McCray. A couple quarterbacks, we know why, because they went quarterback in the draft, but Kyle Allen and Jeff Driscoll are no longer there to back up 
CJ Stroud or you know we'll we'll, we'll see. I imagine he's a week one starter. And then they lost a few defensive ends as well. I'm going to butcher this name, but Ogabania Okoronkwo went to Cleveland. He had, uh, I believe, six sacks for them, five or six sacks for them last year. Mario Addison is unsigned, and the defensive end Rasheem Green. Additions, Robert Woods, as I mentioned, wide receiver Noah Brown comes over from Dallas. Tight end Dalton Schultz. Good player. Uh, good player. will come over and give uh, uh, C.J. Stroud a reliable tight end to throw to him. They brought in guard Shaq Mason, who figures to start coming over from Tampa Bay and was previously with the Patriots. A couple running backs um, to team up with Damian Pierce, who had a real nice rookie season for them. Devin Singletary from Buffalo, the most noteworthy. And then Mike Boone comes over from Denver. Case Keenum is kind of the veteran, a veteran backup guy that they brought in. So they got Keenum, Davis Mills, and C.J. Stroud there. And some impactful defensive players. Defensive tackle Sheldon Rankins comes over from the Jets. Defensive end Chase Winovich from Cleveland. Uh, a couple linebackers, including Pro Bowler Denzel Perriman, comes over from Vegas. Corey Littleton comes over from Carolina. And then safety Jimmy Ward comes over from San Francisco. Um, so that the uh, oh new coach, help me out, I'm blanking on his name. D'Amico Ryan. D'Amico Ryan's yes. Um, uh, brings over one of his San Francisco guys. Um, to help install that new defense. Nine draft picks, including two in the top three, C.J. Stroud and then edge rusher Will Anderson Jr. from Alabama. So really, they brought in the face of their offense and the face of their defense in one draft. Um, Round two, they went center, Juice Scruggs out of Penn State. Round three, Tank Dell, tiny 5'7 wide receiver, but really got a lot of juice to him out of Houston. He stays in Houston. Um, and then going through here, pass rusher from TCU, day three. Uh, another Alabama defender, linebacker Henry Tuo Tuo from, Alab- uh, f- from Alabama, Nick Saban's defense there. So they brought in uh, a lot of players, a lot of change to this team once again. I mean, I don't know what it is about the AFC South, but the, the Texans and the Titans might have the two worst wide receiver groups in the NFL. I don't know who C.J. Stroud is going to throw to unless he just throws Dalton Schultz every single play because he's got Nico Collins, who was a third-round pick in 2021, very just okay player out there. Uh, John Mechie, second year, he was a second-round pick, and then I believe he dealt with, was it John uh, Hodgkin's? It was a form of cancer. Um, So he was out all of last year. He figures to come back this year. Great story. Rooting for him. And then they got Robert Woods and Noah Brown. Tank Dell, who I mentioned. So uh, the Colts have the second-best wide receiver group in the division, I would say, behind Jacksonville. Pretty solid offensive line over there in Houston with uh, Laramie Tunsil at left tackle. When you got a stud left tackle, it really helps everything else. Uh, they took a guard in the first round in 2022. So, uh, uh, And then Damian Pierce was a stud as a rookie. I figured they're going to be running the ball quite a lot in Houston, a lot of play action. Um, and then using their tight end defense, still a remake over on defense, but they got the, their pass rusher uh, with Will Anderson Jr. I do think the defense, it was pitiful last year. I think it'll be less pitiful this year because they got the defensive head coach and they've brought over several veterans and the third overall pick to help uh, bring some playmakers to that defense. And I think, did they have the third overall pick the year prior as well when they took the cornerback from L- LSU? They um, may have. My memory 
Derek Stingley Jr. Yeah. I, I think he was. He was a top five pick for sure. It might have been number th- so back to back years with a third overall pick used on a defender. So they got the pass rusher. They they think they got their corner. Um, I think this defense will take strides, not be the pushover that it once was. They, they got criticized. I don't know how you felt about it about giving up too much to move to three from twelve to three. And yeah, they gave up quite a bit. Give, you know, I guess the one that would that would bother me is giving up a first round pick next year it's going to be a big pick it's going to be a top five pick probably yeah and top and, 10 at least and somebody said well you know this is a roster that needs that's got a lot of holes and i understand that but it's also a league that that, that thrives on not your bottom you know 43 players but your top 10 players and if your top 10 players are better than the other teams top 10 players so they've got stroud and anderson to build around but uh so so but but giving up next year's number one when it's going to be a pretty good pick is a steep price yeah absolutely i mean will anderson jr is going to have to turn into an all pro level player for that to pay off And, and they clearly believe that he will um and you know um, they wanted to get the face of their defense. You know, they've always had the Watts and the Clownies. Even when they were bad, they had these stud pass rushers who could really get after you. I think they really wanted to get another player that they believe can reach that level. Um, and so they made a big swing, and it worked out for the Colts because it meant Richardson would fall to them. Right. Kind of looking at the division as a whole, how would you rank these teams? I think we both have Jaguars at one. Boy, and I'm going to put Tennessee two. And Colts three and and Houston four and I think after Jacksonville let's put them in a hat and shake them up. It's going to be who gets the best play from either the young quarterback or the old quarterback. What's what's going to be really really interesting is how soon the Colts go to Richardson and how soon probably right away that Houston goes to Stroud. And we talked last week. This division has a chance to be really, really good for the next 10 years because everybody's going to have young quarterbacks. And if everybody hits on a quarterback, it's going to be a tough division. Yeah, it really will. I'm really torn on this. Part of me wants to, with your order, flip Tennessee and uh, Indianapolis because I think – You're going to put those expectations up. You're going to build the expectations. Well, second in the division doesn't mean playoff. This is a poor division. Yes. um, so yeah, but it's a, but it's a, it's a division again that it's poor, it'll, it'll probably be poor this year, but doggone it could be pretty good very quickly. Absolutely, I I think a lot Colts just have so much more firepower on offense. I think it'll all come down to how much better can the offensive line play. If they're a mess like they will be the year before, they're not going to be able to use that firepower, and I think Tennessee will be better than them. If if, if that's not the case, and the offensive line can just be average. I think the Colts have some young weapons who can do some really exciting things. And let's not forget that Jonathan Taylor is an MVP level running back when healthy and with a decent offensive line. So yeah, it wasn't a great offensive line two years ago. No, it was just good. It was all, it gave him enough and he didn't need much. Um, it just gave him enough. Which team do you think made the biggest improvement? You're better at that than I am. I, I, I can't, I can't really see. I'd say Houston because they got two premier players at the top of the draft, and I prefer premier players over the over 12 or 13 picks 
but you've got a better grasp on, on who these players are compared to what they've done. I think it's between Houston and Indianapolis. Now I'll go Houston too, just because they got two players that you know a lot of people think are going to be good in the NFL with Stroud. Were they top five in just about everybody's projection? Or not Stroud, maybe not top five. Maybe not Stroud as much, but it, because he plays quarterback, it makes a difference. And then they signed, you know, several free agents who are going to be starters for them. Uh, Dalton Schultz kind of yes. helps negate the loss of Brandon Cooks a little bit. And then they signed probably three or four, maybe five starters on defense. So I think that defense is going to take a big step forward. Um, and then, but really, at the end of the day, who made the biggest improvement will come down to who got the better quarterback. Correct, uh, Stroud or Richardson. So we'll just have to see on that. Biggest step back, I to me, it's obviously Tennessee. I mean, uh, you do that with the reboot. Yeah, they're they're rebooting the team. It's a team that you know made some runs in the playoffs. I, they got to the AFC Championship um, at one point in time, but now the two players who got them there. Tannehill's 35 last year of his contract. Derrick Henry is 29, and I, and I get he can still he can still have some games where he kind of takes over. But how long that's going to last, how long his body can last, I think is very much in question. And uh, I think this franchise is going to regret trading away AJ Brown for a long time. You get it's funny, it, it's still hard to get these elite players at positions, and when you get them, you keep them. They chose to keep Derrick Henry and Tannehill over A.J. Brown at a certain point. It, it just shows you. In Baltimore, it's not the same, but in Baltimore, got rid of Marquise Brown. I realize they're not the same level player. Yeah. But when you get a – that's why it's going to be interesting to see what the Colts do with Michael Pittman. Yes, it seems like it's easier to get those guys, but when you get them, you really got to keep them. Yep, and that's a conversation for another podcast as Pittman and Taylor are up for extensions this summer. We'll see how they – uh, decide to divvy up the money. We'll see how much money these guys command. A um, lot to talk about. Um, unfortunately, I will not be part of the discussion. I have to say goodbye to the Colts Blue Zone Nation and announce that this is my last Colts Blue Zone podcast as I am leaving Fox 59 and CBS 4. Um, getting to do this podcast has been so cool. Uh, the coolest thing I've gotten to do in my professional career as someone who you know went to school for sports broadcasting and Getting to hang out with cool guys like you know Mike Chapel, Dave Griffiths. I got to thank you both, even though Dave couldn't it's be here today. Been a good ride. It, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. I'm, I'm gonna, still going to text you, Mike, and tell you to give me the the behind the scenes details on what's going on. We'll but. text a lot more around draft time because <laughs> I have no clue around the draft, and that's what you you live and die for. That's right. So thank thank you and Dave so much for being a part of this. It probably wouldn't have started if it wasn't for you two. Thank you. For all the listeners, it's been really cool to seeing this podcast grow from dozens of listeners to hundreds to now thousands. Thank you so much for listening to us, for sharing the podcast, and for uh, letting us be a part of your you know weekly lives here. Um, so again, thank you all so much. Um, the podcast will keep going. We have our new producer, Matt Adams, who will get started on the job next week. Matt is great, uh, very knowledgeable about the Colts as well, me and him. You know, I come in every day and we we sit next to each other and talk about the Colts. So the podcast will continue with Mike, Dave, and now Matt Adams as producer. But I'm signing off here for the last time uh, for myself, Joe Hopkins, Mike Chappell. Uh, uh, thank you so much for listening. And 
Until next week, take it easy, Colts fans. Be well, Joe. Thank you.